0: Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Now today we are joined by Anu Adedoyin Adesolam, founder and CEO at Sabi. Now Sabi provides a technology platform that enables and empowers the most underserved merchants in the world. Their commerce infrastructure enables agents, merchants, wholesales, aggregators, distributors, and manufacturers to grow their businesses using SABi's technology rails. These rails facilitate across to fulfillment, logistics, ERP tools, a B2B marketplace, data insights, and financial services, so you deal with a lot. Anu is here today to share her story and all the learns along the way. Anu, welcome, it's great to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having
0: me. Brilliant. So tell us a bit about your role at Sabi and what it entails.
1: So I lead the team at Savvy, which basically means I'm designing for how people work together, how the team comes together, and basically visioning. So, you know, trying to align the team with the vision of the business and getting us across the line, basically. So it's really just about, it's it's a role of thinking. It's really about um, thinking through where the business should be and then getting the team there mentally so they can execute.
0: It sounds so like all encompassing. It's, it's not just the direction of the business, but it's making sure you're moving towards that, that vision and goal that you're creating. So, actually, for me, just to understand that a bit better, let's go back. What was the light bulb moment for you that made you feel this is a business that I'm going to create?
1: Do you know the funniest thing is, I don't know that there was any particular light bulb moment. Sabi was. It had been on my mind, not this exact version, but based on previous roles, I had... Primarily when I was in an e-commerce business in, in Nigeria. And then even when I was in university, actually, I wanted to work on something similar. But it really came to be when I was in RenSource, which is the business I was working in beforehand and where Sabi was technically founded. But really, I, I think, you know, the way businesses go is really they evolve over time. So Sabi has been a series of light bulb moments. Even now, like sometimes you get an insight Or realization or someone on the team gets one and then you realize yes this is the way to go or no it's not the way to go or you know i we've we've hit something here so i would say it's more like a series of light bulb moments one that happened recently is we entered a new category and it's just extremely underfinanced and we couldn't understand why for ages and then we, we got on the phone with a few merchants and then we designed some products for them with insurance partners and financing partners. And it's just like taking off like wildfire. So it, it's more a series of light bulbs.
0: And that's super exciting because it just means that it can be never ending, like the, the vision and where, and where you're going to grow to. And yeah, what, exactly. And what, what problems you solve, because look, this industry is all about identifying new problems and solving them. So I think that's a, a wonderful way to describe it. Now, what you do is tremendously important. You know, your products, your services, they help promote financial inclusion in Africa. I want you to share more of that with us, please.
1: Well, I mean... So, the main thing is to, to understand that businesses are deprived of access to resources, especially finance, right? So, and some of these businesses aren't like, I think a lot of the time people assume we're dealing with tiny businesses. They're not always really small businesses. Sometimes they've been around for a while, they've got some scale, but they've gotten to that scale through just share grit, and nothing else, because they can't access affordable finance. Sometimes they're operating at paper thin margins post their financing costs just because they want to grow out their business they're passionate about what they do but they're making next to no money and so what we really try to do is figure out okay who are the most reliable players here and how can we automate the decisions around funding these guys and then how can we make our partners trust our decisions when we say hey you should give these guys money give them money and it's really quite transformational and if you look at some of the things these guys do right there is the more usual story in terms of you're solving problems for female traders who pay their children's school fees who have to do that work because they need the flexibility so that they can also take care of the family etc but You also have some fairly complex businesses that are aggregating like very rare niche commodities. You have pharmacies and so on. And these guys have an understanding of their business lines that very few do. And yet they can't access funds at costs that make their business workable. So for us, it's really about how can we be really clever in product design that all parties involved so that's our our finance partners ourselves the partners receiving finance are able to make sufficient capital that makes sufficient returns to keep their businesses going but at the same time they're accessing things they couldn't before yeah it it is I, i like to be honest an extremely fulfilling thing to do it's it's fun to watch those businesses grow yeah
0: It's absolutely fascinating because across the world now, people are starting to understand and starting to want to hear more about financial inclusion. They're starting to perceive... masses of people as consumers which they never they never used to finance used to be just for one demographic of society and I think that the people that are really turning this into a reality um you know this is a wonderful story that you're telling us of what you're doing and I know that you you know you're changing the way merchants do business and you're adding so much value to them so can you tell us a bit more about the merchants themselves
1: yeah sure I mean The vast majority of our merchants are more sole proprietorships. So these are like basically one-man businesses, the vast majority. But you also have people who have built out... Reasonably considerable teams. So, for instance, if you look at some of our wholesalers, some of them have six, seven, eight, nine shops in the market with staff between all of them. Some pharmacies, the same thing, like some have built out small chains. But the vast majority are basically people who are just buying and selling products, looking to make their businesses more efficient by working through us or looking to access finance they couldn't before. And the main thing is, these businesses don't have the collateral most lenders. Want. So affordable lending in our side of the world comes with collateral, and they just don't have collateral because they haven't had the opportunity to save, even if the, their turnover keeps growing. Those margins are too thin. The other thing about them is, um, and this is something we're beginning to see, we're just entering South Africa, is you have a lot of people where credit scoring, South Africa is a country where credit scoring really matters, where the credit scoring system has kind of locked them out. So this might be because of their demographic, like in terms of where they're based, the township, etc. So they don't come from that kind of background where you've grown up with that kind of credit scoring education. Or they did something foolish or stupid when they were young adults. And now they've kind of balanced out, but they can't get out of that cycle. or they 're part of just predominantly a cash economy, either way, because they 're out of the credit scoring system, they can 't access credit for their businesses, and so they 're trapped in this kind of they 're basically locked out of the system what we 're doing is working with these merchants like through you know innovative assessment methods, just making sure. Yeah, entering the financial system. Yeah, again, I just say a lot of the time, people think like, when they think of financial inclusion, they're thinking about a very particular profile. They think of like, you know, a small person in a village somewhere who isn't well-educated. That's not necessarily the case at all. There's um, very well-educated people or very, very aggressive, successful businesses that Are just thriving on grit because of the way systems work, and we're trying to help design the system to be more
0: effective. And it sounds like you're doing a brilliant job doing that. I mean, even today in this podcast, you know, the getting the message out there and raising the awareness of how people are excluded and and trapped. By things that have happened in the past or their circumstance and that stops any form of progression and opportunity and and choice and options for them in life and you know it's it's um this is really empowering to hear how you're not just talking about it you're doing this. This is what you're doing to drive change. And this is what this podcast is about. I, I always say we're here to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenge, but walk the talk for change. Like I feel that in the industry right now, we should be doing things to drive change. We, don't, we shouldn't just talk about financial inclusion. We should start exactly. financially including people. So, you know, from everything that you said today, I know that you are super passionate about people. You're super passionate about your people's strategy as well. I want to start the conversation around that and the people within your business and, and your plans. So uh, if you could share some more of that with us, that would be great.
1: Sure. I mean, the main driver of that for me is that in the end, a business is just the people that work in it. I mean, you could build the fanciest tech you wanted to. If the team wasn't working the right way, you'd be done anyway. There's a few exceptions to that, but it's generally true, especially the younger the business is. If we're not being very thoughtful about our people and how we put together our team and how we incentivize and encourage, appreciate that team, reprimand where necessary then we're not going to get anywhere also i think more generally you have to think of why you're doing business like the day-to-day it's like especially during the hard times it's the people next to you so like when you look at for me anyway when i when i look at the team and i see someone who used to you know, who couldn't do something now leading an effort or, you know, is, for instance, our Kenyan team in just, I don't even know how many months, three months, like the growth in their capacity is insane. Sometimes I have to stop myself from like, just like always being like, oh, this is great. This is great because, you know, you want them to deal with pressure. You want them to be able to, you don't always want to be super effusive, but it's really impressive when I even like, I'm just looking at their chats and the way they challenge each other and the level of the evolution in their sophistication is is impressive yeah that's pretty much it when you're doing business you're doing business to make money you're doing business to grow etc but you know you also want to have that impact on the people around you you want people to leave your team go on and found businesses etc it's what makes it worth it
0: that is that's just so fantastic to hear that because everything that I believe in in the workplace and for workplace inclusion is to allow everybody to be the best that they can be to challenge them positively and you know look it's just so it's so great to hear these stories of success how people in your environment are growing as individuals growing as a team growing the business it's super exciting so it takes me to my last question And I ask everybody this question and it's a call to action because when anybody listens to a podcast, I don't want them just to stop listening and say that was good. I want them to go and do something and be part of driving change for inclusion. So my question to you is what is your call to action with regards to what more we should all be doing for workplace inclusion, general inclusion?
1: I mean, I'm still figuring it out myself because I have been accused of liking a very particular type of person on my team. I think it's really just about understanding contexts. A lot of the time, the thing that makes the difference in a person's performance is the allowances you've made around their context. So this could be a working mom. Maybe she needs to be allowed to come in a bit later because she needs to drop her kid off. Or it could be someone whose family lives like super far away. Um, And they need to be able to be remote sometimes, or it might be a cultural context. So for instance, if you look at at the country level, the way Kenyans think, the way Nigerians think, the way South Africans think, completely different. But I think taking the time to really understand the composition of your workplace and the context that come along with that and the, the changes that need to be made as a result or the allowances, those are the differences that allow people to unlock their performance. And it also builds safety in that if you know like your form of diversity is recognized then you feel safer and then generally once people on your team feel safe they begin to go the extra mile because they're not hedging for this or that i think that's something we've learned as Abian. and we're trying to get better and better at yeah
0: i think that is absolutely wonderful like once your team feels safe it unlocks their potential like i am i so believe that and and i think that is such a wonderful way to end this podcast it's been brilliant learning about you um your multiple light bulb moments and i can't wait for all the the new light bulb moments you'll have i feel like i've genuinely learned a lot listening to you within this pod and i know that everybody in our audience will too so i think it'd be wonderful to do another pod in a year's time and see how far you've come sure, anytime. Um, but it's been so brilliant learning about you thank you for joining us on the women of fintech podcast series
1: thank you so much for having us thank you